The world can be a hostile place for people on the higher end of the weight spectrum. In this episode, we'll take a look at an article written by Stephanie Dalgoff regarding fat phobia. Are you ready? Welcome to a brand new episode of Beauty Unlocked, the podcast. If you're new to Beauty Unlocked, I'm Carissa, host of this circus. Welcome, friends. If you've been a long-time listener, you know all about the shenanigans and utter fuckery that is Beauty Unlocked. <laughs> Are you ready? Welcome, friends. We have made it to the end of the week. Although I am recording this on a Thursday, we're one step closer to the weekend. Yay! I hope everybody's doing well and that this final week of July has been good for to you and for you. As I mentioned on the bonus episode, which I released on Tuesday, this is our last regular episode until September. So if you haven't checked out our latest bonus episode, what are you waiting for? (laughs) We talked about the new dental device called Dental Slim, and it was created to help fight the global obesity epidemic. Cue the eye roll. So as you can imagine, I went on quite the rant and rave, and I didn't even say everything I wanted to say. I should have written down bullet points, but in all honesty, it was an episode that was going on to like more than 20 minutes, and I was like, whoa, 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 okay. But you got you got the gist. If you listen to, to the episode, to the bonus episode, then you got the gist of where I was going with my rant and rave. I feel like most of the time I wing it on this podcast, in all honesty, kind of like what I do with my life. I just I just wing it. <laughs> I just go with it. <laughs> so before we get into this episode, I just wanted to do a bit of spring cleaning. Remember to give us a follow throughout social media so you can keep up to date with everything that's happening and our return in September. I'm not too sure when it's going to be, but I will be announcing it uh, via social media. So you can follow us um, and you can look for us uh, at Beauty Unlocked the podcast uh, and we will pop up in the search engine. We're there. We're everywhere pretty much on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, so don't forget to give us a follow. Also, if you would like to support the show, check out our Patreon where you can support us on a monthly basis for as low as $3 a month, and that's on patreon.com forward slash beauty unlocked. Check us out. We have different tiers with different benefits, so if you would like to support the show on a monthly basis, become a patron of the Patreon, or of Beauty Unlocked, I should say. Also, if you would like to give us a one-time donation, then check out the link um, on our profile. It's in our Instagram profile, and I also add it to the show notes. Um, This link will direct you to our Linktree account where you can make a donation. So me, myself, and I would be eternally grateful if you leave some coin on the dresser. All right, I have finished with this, I don't know, summer, spring cleaning. I'm not too sure. This cleaning, getting everything out of the way so that we can get into this article, the reason why you've tuned in. So this article uh, was written by Stephanie Dolgoff, and it was written on March the 8th of this year. 
and I found it on goodhousekeeping.com. And the title of the article is The Harmful and Insidious Effects of Fat Phobia. Here we go. Sometimes it's blaring and obnoxious, like Bill Maher calling for a return to fat shaving, supposedly in the name of public health. Or the tenured professor who tweeted that obese applicants need not apply for PhD programs. A doctorate requires discipline, which fat people, according to him, do not have. He can go fuck himself. That's me saying that. Or simply the woman next to you on the train, loud whispering into her cell phone that she's being squished. But often, fat phobia is less overtly mean and is instead cloaked in concern for the fat person. Your mom clipping articles about how being at a higher weight causes worse COVID complications. It's actually more complicated than that. Sometimes it looks like unsolicited suggestions to exercise or subtle weight loss advice. A relative told me a friend of hers likes to dramatically put her fork down and exclaim, Oh, I'm so full. Can you believe the portions here? Let me tell you something. Bring it over to me. I'll eat it. Sorry, continuing. An obvious attempt at modeling healthy habits. Or fat phobia can come out as the classic microaggression. You have such a pretty face. The unspoken part is, the rest of you, not so much. And sometimes fat phobia and fat shaming are so automatic, the salesperson crowing that a certain dress is so flattering, adding that it gives you a waist, or a server pointing out the light options on a menu that the behavior might not even consciously register to the person engaging in it, but it likely registers with the person on the receiving end, and it sends a message to anyone with an earshot. Being in a larger body is something to be ashamed of, and it's okay for other people to police it. You might be asking yourself right now, what is fat phobia exactly? I'm glad you asked. Fat phobia is the fear and hatred of fat bodies. That encompasses a whole bunch of things, namely white weight bias sorry, and weight stigma such as the idea we see people of higher body weight as lazy and unintelligent or disgusting, says Mary Himmelstein, PhD, an assistant professor at Kent State University who studies how weight stigma affects people's health. Fatphobia perpetuates those negative stereotypes and that can lead to discrimination against people with higher body weight, she says. Author Virgie Tovar puts it even more plainly, Fatphobia is a form of bigotry and a form of discrimination that says that people of higher weight are inferior physically, intellectually, morally, and health-wise, says Tovar, who is the host of the podcast The Rebel Eaters Club. I'll repeat that if you want to go and listen um, to the podcast The Rebel Eaters Club, which is all about breaking up with diet culture. It's also the attitudes and behaviors that cluster around that system of beliefs, she says. On the Good Housekeeping um, website, well, on, in this article, um, there is a question that they ask the readers, and it's, have you ever been fat shamed? And 89% of readers say they have been fat shamed. 89% of readers. You're probably asking right now, but Carissa, why does fat phobia exist? Stephanie explains it to us. A whole host of factors fuel fat phobia, so it's complicated. A few contributors, historically, Body weight is seen as a representation of wealth and class, says Himmelstein. In times when food is scarce, weight is seen as a positive. Like the round-bellied Monopoly man, a bigger body used to mean that you could afford to keep your family pleasingly plump and living on Park Place. These days, for people living on lower incomes, food may be available, but the most accessible and affordable options are calorie-dense and processed. Thin is now considered upper class, says Himmelstein signifying that you have lots of spare time to think about what you eat, prepare food and exercise, and ample funds to buy fresh, whole, non-processed foods. 
Tovar says it's also about social control. There's this belief that if you diet or you eat a certain way, you can control your health and that you can control how long you are going to live, she says. This is not true, which is hard for people to accept, especially those who aren't aware of the misinformation diet culture perpetuates. Even though there is more and more evidence that we are largely not in control of our body size, people see higher weight people as refusing to take care of themselves. That refusal to step up and claim control over your body and health is considered really negative. Americans see it as an insult to the ideology of being an American. Indeed, with our individualistic bootstrapping way of looking at the world, Americans have been taught to believe that if we try hard enough, anything is possible. When people see someone who they believe isn't taking charge of their health, destiny, by failing to control their body size, it is betrayal of everything that uh, they've been taught, Tovar says. So it offends. The whole group is allowed to punish the individual. It's nonsensical and anti-scientific. That's the thing about bigotry. It's not logical. What are the dangers of fat phobia? The harmful effects of fat phobia are a constant for people in larger bodies. It is more intense against women, says Tovar, who adds that most of the data on the subject is based on the male-female binary. We are more likely to see positive examples of high-weight men than women in the medium. Ahem, where is the positive equivalent of the dad bod for women? And just as with other forms of bias, being a member of more than one marginalized group leaves people subject to more harm. Higher weight people of color definitely face dual stigmatization that can compound not only things like the wage gap and medical discrimination, but there seems to be correlations with being larger bodied and being targeted by police, especially for black and Hispanic men and boys, Tovar adds. Research also shows that people perceive black men as larger and hence more threatening than white men of the same height and weight. But like any form of bigotry, it does no one, no matter their weight, any favors. It's the same thing with racism and homophobia. Fatphobia isn't good for anyone. Nobody wins, even if you feel safe from it, says Tovar, who authored the book The Self-Love Revolution, Radical Body Positivity for Girls of Color. Put aside for just a second that you can't know someone's health status by observing their body size. Whatever the intention of the person pointing out that someone has put on a few pounds or maybe shouldn't be eating that fill-in-the-blank, research shows that this kind of helping doesn't help. Quite the opposite. We know that experiencing weight stigma is associated with higher levels of anxiety, depression, poor body image, poor self-esteem, says Tovar. A lot of people think being critical of some one's body will help motivate them to change it, but the effect is 180 degrees from that. In fact, shame lowers motivation to exercise and weight discrimination has been found to be positively associated with binge eating and increased caloric intake. Like other forms of discrimination, fat phobia causes harm in multiple ways. Below are some examples of how people in bigger bodies have been shown to be harmed by fat phobia. Women earn less as they gain weight. In one study that looked at how body weight affects people's earning potential, researchers found that for American women, gaining weight predicted lower salaries, to the tune of almost 10,000 lower for heavier women and close to 19,000 for very heavy women. One paper from Vanderbilt University Law School found that women categorized as obese were more likely to work in lower-paying, physically demanding jobs, such as elder care or food prep. There's this idea that plus-sized people are sedentary or lazy. In actuality, plus-sized people get funneled into more physical jobs, says Tovar. Women seen as fat get poorer medical care. 
When you come into the doctor as a higher weight woman, if your complaint could be related to your body weight, that's what it will often be assumed to be, says Hemmelstein. In other words, doctors are more likely to decide that your issue may be solved if you try harder to lose weight, perhaps at the expense of doing the test to properly diagnose you, or even asking you questions that could lead to a diagnosis that has nothing to do with your weight. While some in the medical community are working to combat fat phobia among practitioners, doctors, as members of our weight-obsessed society, are also subject to its biases. More often, research shows, fat women avoid the doctor altogether because they have experienced fat shaming in medical settings. For example, providers' contemptuous, patronizing, and disrespectful treatment, lack of training, ambivalence, attribution, and assumptions about patients' weight and health, according to the study, which can mean health problems are caught later when they are harder to treat. The stress fat phobia creates may lead to more illnesses. In fact, says Hemmelstein, women who experience weight stigma are more likely to have a number of chronic conditions compared to women of the same weight who have not reported those experiences. In other words, it's not body fat, but the fat phobia itself is linked to an increased disease burden and mortality, she says. This could be due to the physiological stress of living with discriminatory obstacles and persistent shame. Stress affects our whole system over time, says Hemmelstein. The physical effects of fat phobia are particularly dangerous, says Hemmelstein, if you internalize the idea that you're worth less because you're heavy, devaluing yourself because your body weight appears to be a larger concern for health, she says. It can cause depression and anxiety. The lived reality of a high-weight person is often one of shame and pain, says Tovar, who identifies herself as fat. Even with her high degree of body acceptance, I still know that any time I leave my house, I am open to someone being verbally abusive to me because of my weight. Tovar has been an activist against size-based bigotry for years, but there are moments it side-swipes me. It destroys people. 79% of women say they coped with weight stigma by eating more. Fat phobia and weight stigma are not getting better. Recent research can tell us a lot about people's biases and attitudes about marginalized people. A 2019 study that analyzed 4.4 million tests of implicit and explicit bias in order to examine changes over time in people's attitudes about body weight, along with sexual orientation, race, skin tone, age, and disability, found that in the course of a decade, attitudes about most of these social groups improved, tending toward neutrality. But while explicit bias toward people who are overweight has decreased, and all the other implicit biases studied had either improved or remained stable. Implicit weight bias increased by 40% between roughly 2004 and 2010. Basically, what they found is that for most of the other attitudes we think of as prejudicial, those towards people in bigger bodies are not actually changing or are even going up, says Himmelstein. Implicit bias, when you may not even be conscious of your preference, especially, seems to be getting worse. This may be partly because weight bias is often wrapped in concern. The way we express it is usually, I'm just trying to help you out. We see it as more acceptable, she says. You're probably asking right now, but Carissa, how can I fight fat phobia? I'm glad you asked. Standing up to fat phobia can take many forms, and people who bear the brunt of fat phobia may choose to clap back or may not want or be able to voice their feelings directly. And that's okay, says Tovar. There is no wrong answer when it comes to taking care of yourself. For her part, after years fighting fat phobia personally and professionally, Tovar has come to see both the perpetrators and those harmed as people who need to be met with compassion. 
It sounds a little woo, but for people who are still actively engaging in fat phobia, they are wounded. They don't see that they have a wound or they haven't worked through the wound, she says, but are acting out of hurt all the same. This way of looking at it helps me to have compassion for myself. It's a long haul process, says Tovar. Here are a few things you can do to fight fat phobia in your world. Drop the diet talk. So much of our everyday bonding chatter involves food, weight, diet trends, and the like, which contributes to a diet culture mentality. Fat phobia is especially rampant in the workplace. There are people talking about their weight loss, their diets, what they're going to do at lunch. These chips are so evil kind of thing. And it's fine, whatever your perspective is, but people need to keep more of those things to themselves. That's also because all this food and diet talk doesn't only affect people in bigger bodies. You don't know who in the room has an eating disorder, for instance, so you don't know who you're causing harm to, Tovar says, adding that thin people as well as fat people struggle with food issues, and weight talk can be triggering. Don't comment on people's bodies, positively or negatively. Even an intended compliment can perpetuate the idea that being in a bigger body is bad and may be hurtful to people in larger bodies. Did you lose weight isn't another way of saying, wow, you look beautiful. Keep unsolicited health advice to yourself. It doesn't matter if it comes from a place of concern. It's impolite, causes more harm than good, and besides, it may not be relevant. Just because you know somebody's body size or weight doesn't mean you know anything about their health, says Himmelstein. People assume, people assume, if you're at a high, a high weight, you are unhealthy, and that's just not accurate. You can have someone with lower body weight who has high cholesterol or blood pressure, and someone who is heavier may be in great physical shape. That's the thing we need to remind ourselves about over and over again. Besides, you're not giving a person in a bigger body information she doesn't already have, says Tovar. Many higher weight people are chronically dieting, feel terrible about eating, and are trying to lose weight, she says. You have no idea what is going on with that person, who may already be stressed out and dealing with discrimination. And besides the besides, the vast majority of the time, someone's Someone else's health, good or bad, is not up for discussion unless that person invites you in. Speak up if you can. Whether you're the person at whom the fat phobia is directed or a bystander, assess the situation and consider calling it out or otherwise offering your support to the person being harmed. It's also more than okay to set personal boundaries, even if the person speaking says they're just trying to help. It's okay to say those comments are not helpful and I would like... To not talk to you about my weight again, says Himmelstein. Audit your life, especially if you're internalizing fat phobia and it's making you feel bad about yourself. Go over what you're watching, reading, clicking on. Take a look at who you are interacting with daily, weekly, who has an impact on your life, advises Tovar. Do that with people, social media, media. Ask yourself, what is coming into my brain? Who is impacting my heart? What and who are the things that are shaping the way I think of myself? It can be helpful to write down when you encounter something or someone who makes you feel bad about your body, and then unfollow, or dial back on those things while focusing on what's, what lifts you up. Talk back to yourself. It takes a lot of work for women who have been taught to hate our bodies to think and feel differently, says Hemmelstein. It may feel silly at first, she says, but when you catch yourself speaking unkindly to yourself, literally tell yourself what you want to come to believe, such as that your body deserves respect, that it is beautiful, functional, capable. If you are exercising, do your best 
Focus on fitness goals and how movement makes you feel rather than your weight. Don't assume that fat people are failed thin people. Your body is the size that it's supposed to be, says Tovar. Fatness is not a deviation from a natural and normal state. There have always been fat people. There will always be fat people. All right. So we have come to the end of Stephanie's article. Very insightful. And we have spoken about fat phobia, fat shaming in the past. Um, so I'm not going to go into like my final thoughts aren't going to be long because throughout the 54 previous episodes and bonus episodes and all these episodes that we've had for Beauty Unlocked, Unlocked, sorry, um, I've I've said it many times over. So this is going to be a short version of it. It's a fact that our society celebrates people of a particular body type. It is. It's just, it's all around us. In the language we use, in the images that we see on TV, doesn't matter whatever media form you want to talk about, it's there. We perpetuate the notion that thinness equates to happiness, to being healthy. This isn't no doubt. I mean, there's no, there's no way that you can actually say that's not the truth. Another fact is that fat shaming and fat phobia are normalized. They are accepted and tolerated. Now, thankfully, we are seeing a change. We are seeing more body diversity, which is awesome. But society as a whole is still very critical of people who are accepting of their bodies, especially those people who are accepting if they are plus size or if they are fat, they are still highly criticized for accepting themselves. So there has been change, but it's been very slow to come about unfortunately. But if we want change, we first have to work on ourselves. We have to change the way we think, the way we speak to ourselves and to others, the way we think, the thoughts that we have about ourselves and of others. I want you to actually think about this. When you do see someone who is bigger bodied or fat, what is your first thought? What is your, the first thought that crosses your mind? Because I can, I could say 95% of the time you're criticizing and you're using very negative vocabulary. Even if you don't verbalize it to that person, I'm sure those thoughts are not very positive. If you see someone going for a second serving of food, do you think something positive or negative about it? Especially if that person is bigger bodied or plus sized or fat. Have you ever given diet advice especially unsolicited diet advice. Have you, what you thought was a compliment, but in reality is not really a compliment, have you ever said to someone, whether it be family or a stranger or a work colleague or a friend, whatever relationship you have with this person, have you ever said to them, wow, you've lost weight, you look great. Have you ever given that quote-unquote compliment? Because that perpetuates diet culture right there. You are celebrating the fact that the person has lost weight, fair enough, but we don't know if that was intentional. We're not too sure. We don't know if that person struggles, if they have issues, their relationship with their body, with food. We don't know, right? Because people are good at hiding things. Uh, you might think that you know a person very, very well, and unfortunately you don't because people are good at hiding certain aspects of their lifestyles lifestyle um so have you given that quote-unquote compliment because 
that perpetuates the notion of diet culture, meaning that you're equating their weight loss to thinness, which means that they are happier, healthier. And that's diet culture right there. And that's dangerous to think that way. I've given this example so many times in the past, but when I was at the height of my binge eating and my bulimia, uh, and I was losing a lot of weight, I was always getting compliments, always getting compliments. And you know what those compliments did? They fed that little, that little demon inside of me. It fueled my eating disorder because I was like, wow, people are complimenting me that, you know, I'm beautiful and that my body is awesome or whatever. I don't even know. And it fueled me even more. I was fat shamed also growing up and also in certain parts of my adult life also. What did that do to me? Like in the article, it said I would eat even more. So like I mentioned before, we should never, ever, first of all, have an opinion and especially have an opinion on somebody else's lifestyle or body. Second of all, verbalize it. Our society, what we do now is that, of course, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Doesn't mean that you have to verbalize it. We have mental diarrhea and then we have verbal diarrhea as well. You have no right to comment on someone's body and vice versa, in all honesty. Don't go around giving unsolicited advice. Don't, give, don't go around verbalizing your opinion, especially when it comes to somebody's life, lifestyle, or body. It's none of your business. Now, I'm not saying don't compliment people, but be careful of the words that you use. Be very aware of the words that you use. This is the only way that we will be able to change because guess what? This is the truth. Internalized fat phobia is real. And I'm actually going to do an episode for patron, uh, members of the Patreon. Patrons of Beauty Unlocked. Um, I'm, on, I'm actually going to talk about internalized fat phobia. Um, and it exists and it's real. It's a fact. So I would say homework until I'm back <laughs> with new, brand new episodes of Beauty Unlocked is to be self-aware of your thoughts, the way you speak to yourself, to others, how you're thinking, what you're thinking, and quite literally learning how to mind our business. <laughs> That's the homework. That's the summer homework. <laughs> I don't want to go on and on and on, but I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you'll also listen to previous episodes where we did talk about thin privilege. We have talked about fat shaming in the past. Um, and also the things we can do, uh, like we mentioned before in this article, uh, to fight against fat phobia. With all that being said, I hope you have a lovely summer holiday, vacation, whatever you do, be safe. Um, and you will hear from me in September. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. And don't forget to keep you know, keep up to date with by following us with by I'm kind of all lost. But don't forget to to follow us on social media. Type in Beauty Unlock the podcast. We will pop up. And like I said, you'll hear from me in September. Bye. Make it clap, 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 clap. Make it clap, clap, Make it clap, clap, clap. Make it clap, 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 cl